classes sound awesome. Um, okay, today's scripture reading is Romans 15, 1 through 6, if you'll turn there with me. And go ahead and stand with me, please. Romans 15, 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that our perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, or I'm sorry, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you, Kim. I'll watch the kids, Adam. What could go wrong? Good morning. Uh, usually when I get towards the end after going through a letter, I start finding myself going towards depression. Only in the sense that I mean that I've, I enjoy getting so stuck in a letter. And uh, you start feeling the weight of uh, being faithful to it. And wondering if yourself, can, can you love another passage of scripture the same? And I know that all scripture is inspired and they're all valuable. Um, and I have yet to this day have not found myself enjoying every portion of scripture. But with that said, Paul is concluding something here. He's hoping for something here. Uh, even today, we recognize with the writers that write, even if it's a fictional story, they're trying to convey some aim. And Paul is now arriving at it. I mean, for the first 11 chapters, it's all been about the doctrines of our faith. And he's hoping, and he's, he's moving his audience, generation after generation, to maybe... Find verse 6. And I hope for ourselves that we could come to strive for it ourselves. And so with that, I pray that you would pray with me. Pray for yourselves. That we recognize that these things don't take place today. Paul says it twice. Verse 4 and verse 5. It will require perseverance. Endurance. I pray that we as a people, we could do that. Because the question that I have for you and I this morning before I go in prayer is, what will you do when I offend you? Are we too quick to give up on each other? As a society, I think we are. Unfortunately, I think even in the churches, and I speak generally, the moment that our convictions that are so held deeply within our affections, 
whether it be what I could, whether it be just vast issues that I could present to you even now. When we sharply disagree, what will you do? And I ask this of myself as well, will I give up on you? Because Paul puts before us these two words, persevere, persevere, persevere. And I pray as we come to enjoy it, there is something for those who do, which performs the aim, the hope of the gospel, the power of the gospel. So with that, would you pray with me? Lord, it was Christ whom you sent, your one and only begotten, who lived the perfect life, who persevered to the end. And with the hope set before him, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship, whatever trouble he faced, he pursued the glory set before him. And that glory we have witnessed ourselves. And that is the reason why we would even gather today, even around the scriptures, but then also to remember you around the table. But we long for that ourselves, even though When Christ came, he came to his own that did not know him, even though he made them. They reject and despised him. Murdered an innocent man. And Lord, in all of those things we saw in Christ, this deep love and affection to serve. Serve us even while we were yet sinners. And that same grace that we have now come to experience in ourselves, Lord, the hypocrisy which we find in ourselves is not to extend that to one another. We know and we acknowledge that there is a vast diversity among us. Lord, as we understand the diversity that is among us, Lord, I pray that we would model the same perspective which Christ extended to us and come to enjoy the words of which Paul presents us with today. In Jesus' name, amen. What I find so convicting about Paul's writings is that the majority of his writings, he acknowledges the reality that we often want to ignore, is that Christians, in light of their diversity, whether it be cultural, ethnic, social, male and female issues, the diversity which all the church deals with, he pleads throughout all of his letters for the people within those who are in Christ to stand in unity with one voice. He does this in Romans, and he has labored probably his greatest doctrinal treatise to come to this conclusion of hope that the Christians would come to realize their unity together. And he presents it in such a way, what I'm convicted by is they had to do it. I find it troubling in our own period, in our own time, that we don't feel the same. Think about it. Just even on this street, there are three, four churches. Which I think is a good thing. I don't think that is a bad thing. I merely say it in this way. That when we disagree, what will we do? See, in Paul's day, when a Christian disagreed sharply with one another, you had to work it out. Today, we just retreat to the next location. And if that's the case that which we are going to live this standard of Christianity, 
we will not enjoy these verses before us. As Paul emphasizes this longing commitment that the people of God place towards one another. And I ask the question, like, what will we do when we easily find ourselves not disagreeing? And if, and if you don't think the issues at this church or historically Christians had to deal with are not complicated, Paul was dealing with a very complicated issue. It was racial. It was ethnic. It was social issues. In fact, Jesus Himself knew that in light of the Gospel, the power of the Gospel, the good news of the Gospel, is that it was so wonderful that it was not going to be just given to Jews. This is what Jesus taught the disciples. He said in Matthew chapter 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world. That one line there is going to create a lot of issues and a lot of opinions and a lot of convictions within within the body of God's people. For it is for all, as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. Acts 1.8, even before the last words Jesus presents before the apostles, before he takes his right, uh, the right hand of the Father, he says to the disciples, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Even in Paul's letter, you can see why Paul has to write the way that he does because there is this racial, social, ethnic issue that he's dealing with. Jews and Gentiles uniting in Christ together and having to persevere in their faith together. The question for Paul is, when you, when you do disagree, he doesn't think you get to run away. He rather calls them to endurance together. You can see his, his, his aim and his focus from the very get-go of this letter. So I remind you, in Romans chapter 1, he, he's obviously trying to address this issue in verse 16. He loves the gospel. And the reason he is not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then he adds to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He knows this is going to create diversity within the people of God. And he knows that whether those who receive the gospel or those who deny the gospel, the result is going to be both for Jews and Gentiles. So he continues to say in Romans 2, 9 and 10, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. He's specific to point out the Jew first and then also the Greek. But those who do hope in the gospel, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. One more. You could go, if you get the chance, read through Romans again, and it should be heightened in your mind the, the issues which Paul is trying to address. Is God the God of the Jews only? Romans 3.29. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. The good news of the gospel is for everyone, whether it be Jews, Gentiles, man and woman, child, 
young and old. We ranged, they ranged in diversity in their gatherings, which shocked the world. And Paul knew this reality, and the church ought not ignore this continuing issue. Now, we're going to disagree. Romans chapter 14, we have labored over, I think, for the last two or three weeks to stress this point. Sometimes our convictions will be so deep, and we recognize that our convictions are so linked to our emotions, it creates the opportunity for division. But Paul says, bear with one another. Acknowledge the other one's opinion. Honor one another. Live peacefully with one another. In light of these conflictions. And so, with Paul's aim with recognizing all that diversity within the church, I ask the question for ourselves. What will we do? Will we claim these things for ourselves and persevere in them? So the way that I want to walk through this, and I hope convict us as we come to the table, I mean, like, that's what the Jews and the Gentiles had to do. They had to come to the point where their fellowship was sincere and come to the table in such a way that would honor not just God, but one another. For the table is for us and for our service and uh, worship towards God. It was a reminder to the church of the unity that we all share as a result of what Christ has done. And so as a result of this, the question we have for ourselves is what will we do with these words? So what is the aim? What I'm going to do is at our first point is preach it backwards. I'm going to start at the back end and then go back to the beginning. Paul might say to Jacob, I, per- I wrote it this way, you don't get to preach it backwards. But I think it'll help. If we look at verses 4 through 6 and then go back through 1 through 3, acknowledge the challenge that is set before us. But before we look at the challenge, let's look at what is the aim? What is Paul setting before us? Look at verse 4 and 5 with me. I have it underlined in my own Bible because I, I think it's helpful that Paul emphasizes this twice. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Paul could have used any other words for verse 5, but he restates the mindset again. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ. The word that I've already mentioned frequently up to this point is that word perseverance. If you give me a moment, I'd like to just ask the question and look at that. Uh, Perseverance carries this idea or endurance. Like, we recognize what that looks like in, let's just say, a marriage. We recognize that in, in between a man and a woman who unites and commits to one another for a lifetime, that we're not going to always see eye to eye, except for my marriage. I always agree with my wife. But the reality is, is we know that's not true. We're going to sharply disagree. I remember one of the first times that we disagreed while we were dating. It was, I couldn't believe it. Um, why would somebody think so much differently? We recognize that, that that standard exists in relationship in a marriage. And yet that same standard is expected among the beloved. 
And that there will be seasons in which you sharply disagree. What will we do when that occurs? Paul stresses it twice to make a point. And what concerns me today is this. I'm speaking generally, but do you know the average tenure of a pastor of a church? It's three years. Three years. And that's today's 60 years ago. It was a lifetime. My concern for us today is this issue, generally speaking, when it comes to verse perseverance, the standard for the strong. I would hope that the, the pastor is the strong one, or the elders are the strong one. If that's the standard for commitment to a people, then what must it be for our members of our commitment towards one another? Paul has a much higher expectation for one another. And if that's the case, I think, honestly, if even we were to reflect, even over the last eight years of our own existence as a people, I think we have much more to, to grow in when it comes to this. For perseverance is accomplished when it's finished. And so we, I think, in our own culture, tend to make our commitments, and I'll touch on this later, to be at a hand's distance from one another. I hope one of the stories that Adam and I are fond of is when we were back in the old days, which was only like nine years ago, but we were in Colorado and we were sitting down with one of the pastors at a coffee shop and at that day, we took our, you were here last week, we took our red prospectus in which this prospectus described for us what we were hoping to do as a church plant. He opened it up and he was reading it. And, and the hope was is that they would support us financially. And a prayer, and through prayer, he reads it, he sets it down, and he says, this will work. It's <laughs> good perspective. Prospectus. And he said, no, this will work if you and Adam can work together. Like there is an element in which Adam and I can get our doctrines right. Right? But if we're unable to live life together, that doesn't produce a fruit. Adam is still learning after eight years of what, how to work with Jacob. And that's difficult. Right, Greg? They have sessions together, him and Adam. <laughs> Just ask Lisa too. Uh, the reality is, is we know that when we get close together, things like we've disagreed with one another. And how as a people of God will we live in the moment when those things occur? Paul sets before us this expectation, persevere, endure, and he, he stresses these, how you do this in two ways. As you understand the two ways in which we persevere, it ultimately hopes produces this aim that we arrive at. Look at verse 4. How do we persevere? For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance 
and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. How do a people of God persevere? Exactly what we're doing this morning. As the people of God, we surely, well, throughout the week, will express a lot of opinions and personal convictions. But this is what unites us together. It's what we all look to to find ourselves accountable to God and to one another. And so through this, we gather around and we listen to an individual. I hope read from, from this. Members, you remember that one of our core convictions is that you expect from the leaders of this church that when we gather on Sundays, we're reading from this. This is not a TED Talk. It's not. Because TED Talks have a lot of opinions. And they're convincing him at times in the way they present themselves. But they do not unify a people together like this does. So we're an odd people in that we recognize the value of God's Word. Here in a few weeks, we're going to stop after we conclude with Romans. And we're going to look at a very ancient text, Genesis. As we walk, and some of us might be wondering, why Genesis? Why would we go through that book? Well, there is so much to grasp as a people of God through it. As you look at Abraham, man, was he awful. Not awful, but I mean, he gives his wife to Pharaoh. He lies a couple times. It's not, I mean, husbands don't try that. She's not my wife. She's my sister. That doesn't work well. But God, as we look through Abraham's life, we learn together that God works with broken people. Joseph, excuse me, Joseph, who, who was a righteous man, time after time gets the short end of the stick. And man, as the people of God, that is some of our experience. As we go through that, we learn as a people together how to persevere even like Joseph. And so the Scriptures, it, it has this ability to say, go on. And you don't get that voice, God's wisdom through the world. Sunday morning for Reliance is a unique opportunity in that we recognize what we're doing. And so one... As we pursue this aim, how do we encourage one another to stay united in the same mind and in unity? We look at the Scriptures together and through that align ourselves to it. Verse 5. We also acknowledge this reality while the Scriptures play a part in moving us to unity and all the vast opinions that we might have. Verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. This is cool. Like, verse 4 could make it feel like we could do it on our own. That somehow by just gathering together and looking around the Scriptures that we're accomplishing the means by which we persevere. But in verse 5, Paul says no. He acknowledged in a prayerful request in verse 5 that the things at which these place, things take place is by the grace of God. And so when we gather in this element and the four other churches that live on this road, 
we see the grace of God being put on display in the midst of the world and it gives us hope. How often, even our own mindsets, we see competition. See, some, when we moved here, and some of you might even ask it now, why would we church plant? And we ask these questions because aren't there enough churches? I would say no. The more opportunities that people have to gather around together around the Scriptures to encourage one another, the better. And the greater demonstration of God's working in a city. That the people of God are willing to sacrifice to accomplish such things. They've done it for us. Why would we not conclude and do or continue in that practice? We've reaped the benefit ourselves and seen the grace of God. And we, we know, Reliance, we know that we exist by the grace of God as a people. Adam's pretty creative. I am average. The reality is, is that this does not take place unless God shows up. I remember pleading with God, show up. Show up, show up. And He has. And so Paul's saying, in light of those realities, find your perseverance and your commitment towards one another and encouragement towards one another. He says it twice to make a point so that it might produce this aim. This is cool. Look at with me verses 5 and 6. So one, we gather, persevere through the Scriptures and encouragement and the hope that we have, recognizing that God has established this opportunity. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encourage grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may, there we go, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul actually believes that when the people of God in thy diversity, understand this, ethnically, socially, racially, when the people of God, Jews and Gentiles, fellowship together as one in one voice, it reveals glories. And when I say that word glories... It's such a term within Christianity. We don't, we don't understand what that means. Um, it's in uh, John. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1. Um, uh, John talked about uh, Jesus being the glory of the Father. Let me, let me explain this word glory. So I think, I think it'll be helpful as we understand verse 6. Like, when, when Christ came, John 1, 14, what, see what it says. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the one and only begotten Father, from the Father full of grace and truth. When you look and you read the life of Christ, when He walks on the water, when He feeds the 5,000, what are you seeing? Glory. The power of God being put on display. When, when Christ is humbled enough to receive the children or even that on a cross to serve those who opposed Him in atonement, what do you see? The power of God being displayed in that Christ was able to bear your sin, my sin, and then three days later resurrect. That's glory. The power of God being put on display. 
But um, Psalms 19, well, let me, not, let me not go there. John chapter 2. In John's story, after Jesus' first miracle, where he turns the water into wine. Remember the story? Immediately after all that, in verse 11, this begin, beginning of his signs, John says they're not miracles, they're signs, pointing to Christ and, and his right as Messiah. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So when, God, when Christ demonstrated his power, it was his glory. Psalms 19, we recognize this with human creation. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, right? And their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. Like every, every morning on Tuesday or Thursday, it's usually this time of year, as I'm heading into Kennewick, I experience the, 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 the power of the sun. It's 7 a.m., it's right there, and you've got to wear sunglasses, right? That thing, that sun, is 92 million miles away. And I know that's powerful, that it can blind me at that distance. But even more than that, I know there is a power which exists which created that sun. And when I recognize the power of that sun, I recognize the glory which it is presenting to me as I observe it. Paul says, like, when the people of God, Jews, Gentiles, those who are young and old, male and female, all the social diversity that exists in the church, even at times language barriers, when those people gather together in the same mindset and in the unity of Christ, they present with one voice glory. Don't you see that in the midst of our fellowship, the diversity exists, we're doing something. It's presenting and glorifying God. It's the demonstration of God's power. Because some of you, you know, we're awful. Just as us, many of us, sinners, far from God. Some of you, we reap the blessing of God giving you parents who believed. And you now sing with both extremes. Even in our own midst, we're ethnically diverse. You honor us in that you stand with us in one voice. And we recognize we have opinions, sharp ones, whether it be political. But this and what Christ has done unites us. And when we stand, when we sing, something happens. Oh, how refreshing that is. To know what we're doing and what we're doing. And that, that is why your pastors say, come to church. I'm not asking you to do something other than God Himself hopes you would do. I'm saying this to the people who are here. And you guys are faithful. And when we do, it glorifies God. Yeah. Early church and all the conflicts that it always had to deal with, that is the one thing in whatever season or war or famine, or plagues which drove them together in fellowship. That's the aim. 
right? And we can all taste it. I've tasted the benefits of a people who do such things. But there's the challenge. And that challenge is in verses 1 through 3. It'd be so easy to just stop right there and go home and be encouraged. Paul has this expectation, knowing that in the diversity of the people which exists in the people of God, there is going to be a significant challenge. Because while we recognize there's social, racial, ethnic, political diversity, there is even a diversity of the quality of faith which we all have. Which we all have. Some of us are weak in Christ and some of us are established in Christ and the faith. And so with this, he turns his attention to the strong. And I think, I think we have much to learn here. I do. To strive for. Because Paul does, I think, give us to say in any of his writings, that church has got it. Right? Because you've got to persevere, you've got to commit to it, you've got to finish it. So verse 1, the challenge. Now, we, he includes himself. His expectations for himself as well. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength. Not just to please ourselves. There's this expectation of this other-mindedness within the people of God. You remember in Romans chapter 1, it was all the sinner lives for himself. It's all he does. It's all he wants. It's this love for idolatry. He creates a God for himself that he might serve, rejecting the God who has revealed his clear glories in creation. And then brother of Christ who is strong in Christ has this mindset for the other. You know, like uh, the church runs in a totally different way. I've done triathlons, you know that. When the gun goes off, the goal is, is to pass as many, like, I'm not going to win a race, but the goal is, is to pass as many people as possible before the finish line. There was one race where they put the women behind the men and they said to the women, you're going to start five minutes after the men in the swim, only to be humbled that halfway through my swim, all the women were passing me. Right? It's a phenomenal gifts. The reality is, is that that is how the world runs. This is how we work in our workplaces. We work to outperform the others so as to get our promotion. Not amongst the people of God. That's not our standard. The standard is it's not that type of race. It's a race in which everyone finishes. We have at the very end of here, CrossFit. There's something people watch the CrossFit whatever we call it, workout community, did you know no one's done until everyone's done with, the, with the, 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 the goal for the day? So you could be strong and be done in 15, 20 minutes. I don't know how long it takes. But they wait and encourage those who are weaker. And you know why so many like CrossFit? Because of that community that it builds. That should be ours. That's our mindset. And so we, while we know the convictions of others, like 
Paul's convinced. You remember Romans 14, 14? This is going back last week. I know. I'm convinced. I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. You can eat whatever meat you want. Right? That's, that's the, the standard. But then he's willing to acknowledge the weaker's position. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And he's willing to acknowledge the other and bear it. Look at verse 21. While he's convinced, he says in verse 21, it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine. There still to this day exists opinions on that issue, wine. Or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The strong have the opportunity to mock those who cannot control their wine. Paul doesn't set that standard up. Rather, he sets up the standard to bear with the weakness of those who are without strength. Not just pleasing ourselves. Verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good. Romans chapter 15 verse 2. To his edification. That's how we run. Not only in the house of the people of God, but your neighbors, which includes those whom you work with. I think we still have a ways to go in learning these things. Why? We're Americans. And we have individual rights. And we're often unwilling to consider others. Let's generalize. Let's just generalize it. I love it. I think I've, over the last, I'll just say the last year, I've heard brothers and sisters in Christ say, now, these conversations only take place if there's trust. Guys, can we stop talking about politics? It makes me anxious. It keeps me up at night. Or the issues, I just need to focus on something else. And how refreshing it is to see brothers and sisters in Christ go, sure. We have some severe convictions, I know, even in our own midst. I do. But the people of God recognize that not all of us can deal with it and sleep at night. And there's this willingness to serve one another. Because, because it rests from this reality that we all know equally. Look at verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. Here's our model. But as it was, it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Let me remind you, because we're going to take the table here in a moment. Christ died for you. He served you. He is the glory of the Father. Everything was His and is His and will be His. But He did not hold on that to be something to grasp or hold over you. But became a servant. A bondservant. Your servant. So that you might experience the grace of God and enjoy God forever. And so He took on that of a slave. And died upon the cross bearing your judgment. And the result of bearing that judgment, you now stand by faith 
right with God through the service of Christ. Paul says, give that to one another. In the midst of your diversity and in the midst of your opinions, and when you do that, with one voice, you glorify God. Point three. Our conviction. Or our convictional response. But I, I love the scriptures. They convict me. I hope they convict you. And that when we remind ourselves, what are we to be as a people? Because you will disagree with me. I will probably offend you once or twice. Praise God when you come and talk to me about it. I grew up playing, I tried to play baseball. We had some friends that loved baseball. And so I'd play with them. But I grew up, remember, just going to the park where they played baseball, basketball, or football. And then our friends would gather around the park. Everybody knew that, that whoever brought the ball, you need to make sure he's happy. And if he wasn't on the team that he liked, or he didn't like the team the way the teams were built, he had this one card that he could play. He could take that ball and say, fine, I'm going home. And ten friends would be just standing there like, what? No, no, go! Or maybe it was a kid fouled him too hard, and nobody sided with him. And angry, he takes that football and he goes home. That is not perseverance. I think there is a form of commitment, and that's how we do Christian life with one another. We all have this ball, and if you use my ball the wrong way, I'm going home. That ball symbolizes time, my time, my money, my gifts. If we don't get to use it the way that I want, we just take our ball and we go home. We'll go somewhere else. Well, they'll appreciate my ball. We laugh because we know it's true that we do that. I would plead with you just as we have pled with you through the last eight years. Love one another. If I were to set it up in just a short sentence, don't give up on each other. There is a fruit which is so sweet when brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, persevere. And you're not going to taste its fruit if you don't commit. Members. If you want to be a member or have a membership class tonight, members, This is our aim. It's this goal. And I have tasted the sweetness of these things from many of you over these last eight years. But we're not there yet. Perseverance is only accomplished when it's done. And I would plead with you, don't give up on one another. Stay the course with one another. Work out your salvation, as Paul wrote in 
Philippians, regarding the same issue, he addresses here with fear and trembling. It is our culture which says, if you don't agree with me politically, you don't agree with me socially, you can unfriend me. And they think that's right. It's not. It's not loving. It's not Christ. And I hope it's not found in our place here. Because if it does, we're going to go talk to each other. (laughs) And I pray that we would be this people that could strive like Christ did to bear the reproaches of one another, the weaknesses of one another, sacrificing for one another, so that when we stand and sing or even come around the table, we do it with one unity. Who's this for? This table is for you. If you have confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and expressed your faith in baptism, this is for you. And then when you take it, you don't take it individually. You take it, no, you're not supposed to take it individually. It's collective. Reminding one another of the unity that we share in Christ Jesus. If you're not have responded in faith through baptism yet, don't take it. Express your faith in baptism and the unity that we all share in Christ. For baptism is not just for you either. It's to join a body of people who believe and think like you, who strive for these things. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't, to think and pray about how you might respond in that way. For the rest of us, persevere. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before the table, we can come to the table joyfully, all knowing that we come with a variety of issues, even different measures of faith. Lord, I pray that you would